Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cathedral Conversations about Race. It's been a while. <laughs> My name is Michael Pereira, and I'm here with Kara Peterson. Hey, Kara. Hello. And we are joined today by Olivia Santos. Olivier is somebody I've worked with many times in a, certainly different ministries within the cathedral. And I'm sure that many of the people listening to this would also have worked with Olivier in different capacities. And Kara, myself, and Olivier had a conversation a few months ago to kind of set this interview up. And we learned so much about Olivier that our minds were blown and we have been counting down the days until we could sit down with him for real to talk to him about the stuff he does at St. Mark's, how all this began for him and also some of the experiences that he's had as an immigrant and as a person of color. But before we get uh, to all that, I do want to welcome Olivier Santos to Cathedral Conversations about Race. Olivier, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you're very welcome, and thank you for inviting me, and good afternoon, Michael and Kara. Olivier, I summarize, I, I think I summarized some of the things you do at St. Mark's, but could you tell us everything you do? And I know that might be a long list, so have at it. Well, I can't really tell you everything because then we'd run out of time. <laughs> um, and But I have done a lot of things. I will have been at St. Mark's since 2012. I was received at St. Mark's, I believe in 2014 or 2015, but I think it's 2014. And I have been, let's see, an usher, a, uh, what else? I've been a reader. I'm currently a, a verger. I participate in a number of ministries. I've been the newcomer coordinator, oh, long time. Uh, and, 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 and once a year, uh, I've been doing it for, I think I'm doing it now for the fifth or sixth time, more or less, that is, um, doing the ministry fair, uh, helping out with the ministry fair, uh, which, which I've, I've, I really think is one of the more important things that I do for St. Mark's. Um, and in addition to that, to that, to those, I think I do some other things, but I just don't remember them. <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, it's a big place. We all do a lot of things. You certainly do a lot of things. And I do want to thank you for that as doing what I do on the soundboard and various other ministries. It's been absolutely wonderful to see your name on the bulletin and just to know, okay, I've, I'm working with somebody who knows how to do this who knows how everything is going. It makes you being there makes so many things easier. So thank you for all that work and all that service. You're welcome. My pleasure. Yes, your, your diction is appreciated very much by the choir. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I'm curious, how did this start for you? I mean, you don't walk into a place any place, let alone St. Mark's, and go, okay, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. How did this want for ministry start with you? So, um, as I told you in our initial screening, that that I have been living in Seattle, and I just realized it the other day that, to my horror, I have been here for 19 years, um, and actually will be. Someone said I'd never survive, but... <laughs> On the other hand, I have one friend who told me I would survive 
just before my friend moved away from Seattle. Oh. So, um, so, so, uh, so I have been here 19 years and I have been looking for a spiritual home uh, for a good first portion, a couple of years of that. And then, like I said, I, I, I may have come to one or two services at St. Mark's while I was still looking for uh, a spiritual home, but I started really coming uh, in 2012, you know, very, very formally and very openly and so on and so forth. And it was very welcoming. Uh, and it is exactly what I was looking for in the Episcopal, in the Episcopal Church because of where I came from when I moved here from the Bay Area, from San Francisco. Um, and so I've decided just, no, no, well, you know, I feel very much at home here. And, and so I, I, I've just stayed. Um, and as far as my being active, it's uh, in a lot of the activities of the church. It's because I've had a lot of, of experiences working in a church or working in a ministry in a church. Uh, I, during my formative years, when I was at the university, uh, at, at, in university, I, I was uh, a, a volunteer for for the camp for campus ministry over there, uh, and 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 I was active in my previous church in in San Francisco, which we can talk about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Shall we talk about your previous church? Is that something we can I, get into? Yeah, well, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so so I did come here in 2003. I moved here uh, from from San Francisco, where I was a member of Grace Cathedral. Right, uh, which to me is what was my sort of my introduction to the Episcopal Church. I was baptized a Catholic, and there were some things about Catholicism that didn't quite agree with me. For uh, and 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 in addition to that, I I was educated for eighteen years as by the Jesuits, uh, and one of the things that I was taught to do really well was to challenge a lot of the established things that why do they have to be? Jesuits are very good in, in those types of things, in, in instilling discipline and instilling why does it have, if, if everything is for the greater glory of God, AMDG, ad maiorem dei gloria, uh, then if everything is for the greater glory of God, then just prayer alone is definitely not the only way to do it. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of things. That's why you find Jesuits be everything. Right. So um, so I decided uh, when I was in, in the Bay Area, uh, I, I, I literally be matured in the Bay Area, in Silicon Valley, and, and was going up to, to San Francisco, going to Grace Cathedral before I relocated to San Francisco. Uh, I was already more or less attending Grace Cathedral, more or less, regularly. And finally, when I moved to San Francisco, then I decided that I could become an usher at Grace Cathedral. Um, so I was an usher. And so I guess my uh, inclination to usher at St. Mark's started because I had a very good experience at, at Grace Cathedral. Um, and so I wanted to be just as active. I was hoping to be as, as active as I was. Uh, at, when I moved to Seattle and started going to St. Mark's, realizing very little that I would be a lot more active <laughs> at St. Mark's than I was thinking of originally. So, uh, which is 
okay too. Of course, <laughs> I have no problem with it. So I'm I'm perfect. So so Grace Cathedral was where I I I kind of got my introduction to the Episcopal Church, and I found it very welcoming. But to me, Grace Cathedral taught there were a lot of things from my formative years in in, in a Roman Catholic as part of a Roman Catholic church that I could see, I, I, I saw that the rituals at Grace Cathedral were had that solemnity, but without losing that personal touch that, that has been the hallmark of, of, of growing up and, and getting into a more modern church. I mean, when I was at Santa Clara University, uh, we had, our services were very more like face-to-face. -face. You're, you're having a relationship, not just with God, but everybody who's here at the assembly here at church, you know? I mean, I mean, I learned a lot of things that, that the practical side of, of religion, such as our very famous Super Bowl halftime service. <laughs> so uh, yes, yeah, you, an entire service, including sermon, communion, everything, the works during the, the time span of the halftime show as it did. Oh yeah. I mean, no joke. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I, well, they're so long and, now. And you, like you had to be a very special priest in order to be able to perform that, that type of thing because you know. Yeah, you have to, wow. Well, what, I guess, did you walk into Grace like knowing that it was an Episcopal congregation or even what that really meant at that point or? What was that like the liturgy was like this is almost familiar or you know because that's the that's the feeling I get going to a Catholic liturgy I'm like this is so close to me this is so close but it's not quite and I'm I I, I know it's been an opposite experience for Roman Catholics coming into Episcopal liturgy so so Kara this will be interesting to you is that my introduction to Grace Cathedral what attracted me to Grace Cathedral first was attending the annual Christmas concert by the Grace Cathedral Choir of Men and Boys Aww. so we started going to that with some of my classmates and some of the other fellow members of campus ministry we started doing that and and you know it, it's not only did that start as a kind of like an annual pilgrimage or ritual for us, but even after I moved to Seattle for, for so many years after I moved to Seattle, I would still go down one day a year to attend that concert with a couple of my friends and former colleagues from campus ministry and still go to one of those concerts. So uh, I pretty much can, and, and in fact, we're, we've taken a hiatus right now because of COVID, but when it's safe to do that again, then I'm sure uh, we, will, we will do it. We will, we'll, be, we'll be going back to doing that. Uh, That's so nice. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So so I was attracted to the Episcopal Church because of the music, and, yes. and also because of the ritual. Um, yeah. And and, that, and yeah. you know, uh, like like to to this day, I I still never forget to remind Michael Kleinschmidt that 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 oh, you know, I love that song. You should sing that more often. 
he, he does <laughs> listen to the congregation. I know that. So, so I know. Yes, yes. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, but I'm just saying, you know, when, okay. when I hear something that I really like, I will, I will say that, oh, you know, that's one of my favorite. That's a wonderful connection. That's something which surprised you, I, I, I would guess, from your days in San Francisco is in a way, something that you can continue to enjoy here. And granted, that's the the wonder of being in a similar denomination. But to Kara's point, I think, just the experience of having grown up with a different tradition and then walking into an Episcopal church and knowing that it's familiar, certainly, but at the same time, some of the concerns you may have about another tradition don't apply here. That's got to do a lot for you. Well, my parents probably would have... Uh, some misgivings about my having gone to the Episcopal Church, but you know, you know, it's 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 me. We're, we're talking about me. We're not talking about them. So, <laughs> you know, and you know, I mean, <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so of course, I, I and 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 uh, one of the things that's also important, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is the fact that uh, at university and and by the way, because I went to a Jesuit school, we are required to take theology as part of our, mm. you know regular thing, we, you can't graduate without it, which is fine because I've been taking theology like as far as, as I can remember. If you can imagine 18 years of Jesuit theology, if you can imagine what that means. So that's exactly, that's, that's Jesuit training for you. But, but on the other hand, it, it, uh, it is one of the things that I am most, I, I feel very blessed. I feel very fortunate. I feel very lucky. I feel very honored. I feel very humbled by the fact that I went through that formative training to prepare me for a lot of things later on. And, and so, yeah, so that's, that's the good thing. Oh, and I did take comparative religions. So I'm comfortable yeah. in almost any church or any religious background. And I know... I I even know what to do. I mean, you know, you take your shoes off and you go to you know this, or, oh, yeah. or you wash your hands before you enter that, or you just oh, yeah. yeah. So you bring. Yeah, you go and so wash I'm very very comfortable, and you have to I'm bring the belt. Extremely comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Olivia, you mentioned that your certainly your time with the Jesuits was formative to prepare you for things later on, and I wonder if we can use that to segue into talking about your experiences as an immigrant. I remember when you and I had, uh, sorry, when all three of us had this conversation a few months ago, there were certain things in your story which I resonated with. And I'd like to, if now is a good time, just talk a little bit about um, what some of what those experiences were, but then also how your time with the Jesuits helped you deal with that. Uh, sure. Um, so I, I came as a young person, uh, very young. My, my, my parents uh, decided that I was better off in America because, you know, I, they didn't want me to go to jail in a time of uh, big unrest, uh, of uncertainty, because there was martial law in the Philippines back in those days. So I came as a relatively young person. Um, and, and, and but But I was also going to Jesuit schools down there. And uh, for me, that there really was very little, if any, transition because where I came from in the Philippines, in the capital, uh, in, in Manila, uh, we did everything was very 
Los Angeles, San Francisco-ish in nature. So, you know, uh, people speak, you, you hear English uh, as much as you hear almost any other language. So, so it was a very easy transition, but I did come to the United States and, and uh, as, a, as a very young person and, 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 and to my surprise, even to my surprise, um, for the most part, I, was, I felt very easily accepted by the people. I think probably because I spoke this kind of English, um, is, is probably one of them. So I was able to communicate. So I understand that one of the big obstacles immigrants have when, when they come, when they come to a new country, whether it's the United States or, or somewhere now in, in Western Europe or things like that. Uh, the first thing that they do is how to fit in. And, and so, uh, and, and, and so I, I relate to that idea. In order to fit in, it's important to have a little bit of a knowledge of, 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 the, of the language, of the lingua franca, of the place where you're moving to. But at the same time, it's also important as far as adjust, adjust, adjusting to that new environment to be able to have a little bit of a knowledge of the culture, which, which I, I can't really tell when I'm in the Philippines, whether I'm in San Francisco or in Los Angeles. <laughs> I, I really can't. It, it's 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 next impossible. Uh, maybe the malls are bigger, but but other than that, you know. Uh, so other than that, it it looks fairly much the same. Oh, and there's more poverty around the area as well in that yeah. part. So, um, but but I think that 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 knowing a little bit of the culture is important. Um, but but the other thing that's that's very interesting about me is that not only do I just come to the United States, but between the time I was an immigrant and today, I've also had opportunities to live in other places because I went to school there. I mean, I, I went to school in Switzerland, I went to, uh, for example. And, and, and so, so I, I, I and, and, and as I, if you recall during our conversation, I told you that when I was studying French in Switzerland, they placed me in a classroom where everybody spoke only German and French. Uh, we, we were, nobody was allowed to speak English unless they were in the English room and they refused to put me in the English room because my aunt who lives in Switzerland uh, told the headmaster of the school that I spoke fluent German. Oh. So I said, I wish you didn't do that because even though I do speak fluent German, I did not want to learn another language in German. <laughs> if you recall, I told you that my French notes are in German because it takes time to adjust to thinking from French. Of course. And hearing it. In, so if you're in a German class and, and, and all the everything on the board has been translated from French into German, you don't think about, oh, what is that German word in English? No, you just write it down and you worry about it 10 years after that, if you ever forget what that means, which is, <laughs> so yeah, so so it, it is true. I mean, I, I kid you not that, that for mm -hmm. the first couple of years when I felt unsure about what is the French word for this, I would have to go back to my German notes. <laughs> As a non-native German speaker. As a non, yes. 
yes but 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 so but i feel very comfortable you know and i i i speak a lot of languages so i you know so it's it's you know it's 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 second nature um myself and my siblings all speak at least five while well, i speak six but um no, I think my others, my, I think my two sisters actually speak more than five languages. I'm just using five because it's, it's an easy number to remember. So, uh, I mean, both of my sisters, one of my sisters is actually a lingua, multilingual, completely multilingual and, 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 uh, but that's because she does a ton of traveling and my other sister is the same thing because she writes a, a lot of grants and, 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 and I write a couple of grants, but I speak all these languages only because it's convenient. And because you don't know what I'm saying. I get <laughs> wow. I get yeah, I, I have to let the moment just settle in because that was incredible. And that's kind of what I was hoping that we would do in this interview right now, which is kind of relive uh, some of the amazing things you told us in our first conversation a few months ago, because as much as we've, you and I have worked together at St. Mark's, we've never really sat down to get to know each other a little bit more and just to find out a, a, a little bit more about each other. And uh, that initial conversation was just mind blowing. And I'm so glad that we could put our toes back into it now and then share that with other people who certainly have worked with you at the cathedral or who spent time with you, but who may not know about just the, the things you've experienced and the things that you've done. Um, in your life leading up to this point? I do remember that even my college SAT English abilities tests were in the 99 percentile. Which well, you were 100% better than most of the American students. So, so I knew when I, when I went to university that I would speak. <laughs> so it was a quiet, very quiet, thing that I said, oh, I don't have to take any English composition classes. <laughs> <laughs> so I could concentrate more on the things I wanted to study. <laughs> wow. That I saved, <laughs> I, that gave me a couple more electives to study. So I didn't have to take those prerequisites. So. Nice. Uh, by the way, I, 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 if we needed to delve into that a little bit further, I like currently at my work, um, some of the young people that I, that are, that are in our caseloads, that one of our case managers is, is working, some of those people are, are, were born here, but they are, their parents were immigrants and refugees from Somalia, from Iraq, from all sorts of other countries. And so their English is completely perfect, but because they look different than people would assume that they're foreign. I said, excuse me, they're citizens. So they were born here. So, and, and the, I guess that's also true with a few of the DACA participants yeah. too. It, so, it yes. never ends. It never no, ends. I'm, yes. I'm fourth generation American. <laughs> like my, my family has been here since 1915. Like, exactly. <laughs> Olivia, one of the things I wanted to talk with you, Kara and I both wanted to talk with you about is what we call that immigration experience, some of the things you had alluded to a little bit earlier. And when the three of us sat down together a couple of months ago, there was something you said 
in that conversation, which I want to pick up now, and I'll read out that little excerpt from my notes as a, uh, as a setup to getting into that conversation a little bit more. And a few months ago, you said they see you, people see you as a Chinese person. Then you said, I'm Filipino, part Spanish, part Chinese. And I have one ability that a lot of immigrants don't have. I talk and sound like an American. This is something I've brought up in previous episodes that we've done on this podcast. I imagine I'll bring up again a few times is that people sometimes look at me and assume that I'm Indian. Olivia, they've, they've looked at you and made a similar assumption. They've looked at Kara, who has been here how long? All, all, all my life. And, um, <laughs> and, and fourth generation uh, to the United States on the Japanese side and 1752 for my dad's white side. I've, I, my family has been here a while. <laughs> and we, all three of us in this conversation right now are very well educated, we are very, quote, well-spoken, but yet, because of our appearance, because of our presentation to the world, there is always that lingering doubt certain people have about, does this person fit here? Are they, quote, one of us? Or to put it another way, do they belong here? I did want to open that up a little bit more uh, based on what you had said in our conversation before, Olivier as part of this immigration experience. And, and you know, it, it's, it's a situation that still is proving very challenging at the office uh, at work. Some of the refugee families that, that, that I work with, for example, have kids who are born here and have started going to school in the United States and to, you know, our, any one of our school districts. And so when they talk, they talk, like Americans, but because they are either of Somali, Ethiopian, or whatever, East African, West African, whatever, descent, then they look different and people automatically assume, oh, oh they're foreigners. So yeah. it, it becomes a huge challenge because when people see that, then there is the assumption, oh, oh barriers, barriers, barriers start creeping going up is that hey you know what people are you know they are they they are everywhere you know it's it's like the the way i speak the way i speak english makes me white for lack of a better term mm -hmm. yep. that's absolutely it i mean if i might interject really quickly here um actually of all things my partner is white um, but his name is Dominic, which is often in Black communities, too. And he has been, he, he's had his name passed over on, like, job interview, not in a long time, because, but, like, when he was searching for jobs, he didn't get calls back from things that he was like, I, I know I'm quite qualified for this. And he was like, I, I wonder if it's because they look at my name and think I'm Black, and that... <laughs> That's so silly. I just, oh, anyway, I will meet myself again. <laughs> well, the one thing, the other thing about, uh, about, about uh, people who, who are, you know, aren't necessarily white is, is some of us, like, 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 sometimes I feel my, like, I, I, I feel like I'm 
a bit of a chameleon in the sense that if I'm in the United States, I've got, I got this accent. You know? mm. If I go to Manchester, then you rapidly hear me speaking in a slightly different accent, right? So because I don't even say it's not Manchester, it's Manchester. So, so you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little different. And of course, I'll have a different accent in, in Scotland. And my <laughs> husband actually is upset <laughs> he says, he says, you're being posh. <laughs> I'm being, you know, interestingly enough, I'm when trying to be understood, of course, but literally, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I so, so, I mean, it, it's one of the things that, that, uh, that, that so much so, so, so I was trying to set up my, my husband's medical interview uh, in London and the the nurse who was taking the information said does he speak english i said no he's irish <laughs> <laughs> oh god and she laughed oh she gosh. was la- howling and i said uh, <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> do you because you talk about and again it's the same and i I cannot do that in it at all fluent ways, but I will also start just picking up like vowel sounds if I'm in a different place. And it sounds really silly because I can't actually switch over an entire. Um, have you found yourself code switching like that much in the United States at all? Um, I mean, in a frank sense, do you speak a little bit differently with people of color versus if you're talking to a white boardroom? I mean, no. No. Uh, in the United States, I only have a U.S. Yeah, whatever. This Olivier. So, and it's it's all by mindset, by the way. Uh, when I th- 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 this there is a period of acclimating to a place uh, wherein you let your mind adapt to the place, and then it happens. So uh, I mean, it's a little harder for me to to do an English accent here unless I'm watching the BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm, you know, I'm interacting in. in well, that's here. again the same. Actually, one of my observations with Michael actually is when I first met him, his his English sounded very English to me, almost RP-ish. I don't, I mean, um, and just as I've seen him at St. Mark's, more like your vowels have turned West Coast American. Like I know. <laughs> and, I don't like it. You're starting to shade your R's at the end now. There's no. <laughs> I really don't like it. Uh, I do. I do think about what Kara said, and I mean, I've been in this country uh, since 2003. I've been in Washington, Washington, since 2005. <laughs> so, so inevitably, I start to lose a little bit of that accent, and I don't. I don't have a large community of people here who, uh, who who speak with the way that I was raised. I don't have a community of people who speak Sinhala, for example. So obviously whatever tenuous connection I had to that language is entirely gone. There's another point that I, I, I wanna add is, 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 is the fact that I, I speak English this way makes it let more convenient for a lot of people interacting with me because they don't have to go through the motions of trying to understand exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So imagine if you're a foreigner and, and, and you're, new, you're, you're, you're an immigrant or you're a recent immigrant, you don't have the American accent or, or something. And you are talking to someone who's, let's say you're trying to buy 
some merchandise or you're trying to put in an order at a restaurant and you have this accent and it's not so easy. I noticed that uh, a lot is the fact that I talk like this makes it less of a hassle for the person who's interacting with me to struggle to have to understand exactly what it is that I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly the same thing that I tell my husband when I have an English accent in the UK, it makes it a lot easier for people who interact with me to understand exactly that I want that particular bottle of scotch versus the other one. (laughs) Olivia, I do have a question. As much as it makes the moment easier for the other person, in my experience, and I'm curious if you've also had this, I will sometimes affect a more American accent because I just do not want to have the conversation. Oh, your accent sounds so nice. Where's it from? And this doesn't happen all the time, but it has happened more often than I would like that if I'm, and this, yes, it has happened more often than I would like that if I am speaking with somebody without trying to affect that accent. Sometimes the interaction can be um, overtaken by their interest in where, why I sound like this. Oh, you sound so nice. Where's it from? Blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I just, I'm just not in the mood to go over that. I just don't have time to go over that. Or it's not the purpose for which I'm having that interaction. But obviously I cannot be rude. And so I have to explain to some degree that I was born overseas, blah, blah, blah. And I think as much as I've lost a few shades of my accent, certainly because of exposure, there's a part of me which wonders, have I just, unintentionally or not, unwittingly or not, have I just made it easier for myself by code switching so that I sound like somebody who was born here? Have you also had that thing where you just really don't want to go into, this is why my accent sounds the way it does? I I think there might have been a time when I was very young where that might have mattered, but so many people said, oh, you're, you speak so well. And I realized that they're really not saying I speak so well in the way I speak. They say, they say that because my vocabulary is absolutely very, very wide. God, yeah, that's the other part. Yes, again. I will always find the right word (laughs) at Wordle. (laughs) Yes, Yes. nobody can out Wordle me. I I believe it. I I think of all the friends I play with, I'm the only one with a hundred percent win streak. Oh man, that's that's actually pretty funny because I I and you you mentioned your your SAT score type things entering yes. the university here and I um did not get anywhere as high on my SATs but all through uh before university and stuff all of my writing stuff had always like just because like I I can kind of regurgitate some stuff in my head straight onto the page and so it sounds more interesting it doesn't sound mechanical and so it was the same sort of thing they're like wow you write really well you're so well spoken it's like I read books I collect vocabulary. I, I just, I, I would do this no matter what color I was. I just, I like books, you know, and it's just, again, one of the, the running jokes that we've all, and it's not even a joke, but one of the running things that every person we've interviewed has repeated in one way or another is that we've been told, you're so well-spoken. And it's, oh. it's just because, you know, you speak English maybe 
without an accent or yes, with a, with a large vocabulary. And it's interesting because that goes back to, to both of your observations that, you know, the English language was kind of like that, or your extra proficiency in English language. Oh my God. I say is the only American and probably the least (laughs) well-spoken out of all of us. Um, no, Kara, you're, you're very well spoken. Oh, th- well, yes, thank you, you Michael. Oh, thank you. Oh, that means so much. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, it actually does, because I happen to know that both of you can out-vocabulary me. So, <laughs> but again, this is something even that like, with, with my pretty flat American West accent, I don't have like the, the CNN announcer anchor type thing, but I have a, a fairly neutral kind of flattish vowel accent that's you know pretty easy for newer English speakers to understand if they've gone the American English route and I've still also been told or been expressed surprise at my my quote-unquote good English and being able to speak or write well and (laughs) that's um, it, it's happened a lot less in the past 10 years, I guess, since I became an adult and stopped caring about people's thoughts about me anywhere as much. But, um, uh, well, um, demoralizing to be told that as an American native English speaker. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, my rant is over. Let me mute. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say, something that 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 my concern about speaking speaking isn't just confined to the english language so if if i'm in europe if i'm in germany or switzerland i would or austria i would always make sure that my german is their german as well now if you don't mind another question do you get the same sorts of comments in germany or if you've ever done visited the swedish (laughs) just i still love the story Yes, yeah, so you're taking Swedish class because one of your friends had the Swedish girlfriend that had the Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that tell us that. Worst. We need yeah. to know that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. One of my friends uh, many years ago, one of my friends uh, uh, told me that I had to take Swedish because he ha- was courting a Swedish person. And, and, and so we enrolled and I we used to practice quite a bit and back and forth. And, and of course I picked up Swedish a little bit faster than he did because I already spoke German. Uh, and so, so there, there's, you know, I, I, there's that. But the problem was um, after a couple of classes, a couple of courses in, in Swedish, all of a sudden I found out, oh, I dropped out. I said, what, what do you mean we broke up? I said, oh, I see. So you broke up and now I'm stuck attending the class still. So, so I finished the course. I finished the series of four or five courses in, in Swedish uh, and, and it, but my friend did. And now I'm stuck with a language I can't really use <laughs> because all the Swedes speak English. So now it's only good for, you know, I'm, in fact, it's not even talk. good because everything in Sweden is either in English and Swedish. So it's no... It's absolutely useless. And some of my friends <laughs> who are Europeans, some of my European friends say, you learned a useless language. I said, well, I couldn't help. I was trying to help. Well, of course. Yes. <laughs> so, the things we I do didn't know love. that they were going to 
you know, I should have said, let me see the, let me see the, you know, let me see the, the, the contract first. So, I mean, <laughs> let me see how, you know, then I want to see that wedding agreement first. Before. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's that should be part of the language. So, you know, that should be part of the agreement is very important. <laughs> I take this class. You you have to sign the marriage certificate and stay together. So that's I can right. Swedish. Yep. Nope. I think that's fair. But <laughs> oh, that's wow. such a wonderful story. But anyway, um, again, so going back, if when whenever if you whenever you've used French or German mm-hmm. in, like, ha- have you had the same sorts of comments where they're like, "Wow, you speak French so well," or or you know what I mean? Is have you had the or has that been mostly an American phenomenon? In Europe, it, it's people are just surprised that you speak that language at all. Mm, yeah, but there is fair. no judgment as to how bad you speak or how well mm. you speak it. I mean, okay. I mean, I don't have that problem in German. Uh, but when I'm in France, because I still speak French a little bit differently, so they can tell that 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 it's not. There's a particular twinge of French that you have to learn French from day one. Yeah, of course. Otherwise, right. people will know that you're not originally a French speaker. But but I can still. I mean, they'll still. Talk. I mean, I, I have complete paragraphs in in. in yeah, French. well, and then they. My 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 feeling too was that. It, if you at least tried, if you have like the order, where are, where is X down, then that's yeah. appreciated more. And I guess it would be kind of fun to, uh, if a French speaker kind of gets up and he'd be like, well, which language do you think I learned French in? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. Yes. You could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, for, for me, it's, it, 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 and it takes a while, you know, if, if I'm in, in, in Germany or in, in France, it takes me maybe about 24 hours and then I acclimate to that. And then, then I think, I think German or I think French or I think America yeah. or I think English, uh, British. So it's, that's how, that's how to do it. Uh, but I can shift from one, you know, to, to another, it, it, it's easy. And when I'm in Asia, it's the same thing. It, it takes me a while to get back, to learn, uh, to thinking either Filipino or Tagalog or Filipino, uh, or, or, or for that matter, Mandarin. So, so it's, it's, it takes time, it's not an immediate thing. Mm-hmm. So, in, so if I had to just uh, insert a one word in a foreign language in the middle of a, English conversation, I might not be very quick at doing so, unless, of course, I was prepared to use that word. <laughs> then, then, then I would. But otherwise, you know, uh, it, it takes a while. Yeah, I think that was a lot of because I, I mean, I get the sense that a lot of your experience in the United States has, I mean, obviously, it's been influenced a great deal by your your pre proficiency of the English language, and that's probably ultimately been helpful as much as I wish we were better at just being like hey you're trying that's cool you know or <laughs> sometimes in very funny ways yes yeah well, huh? I mean, it's just like <laughs> well all the languages um if there's nothing serious you want to talk about left all the languages have led me to sort of segue to Olivier Trivia time 
we also had the note that it was a very off the cuff comment, but you were like, I don't know if Duarte drinks, but I have someone who might know. And, and Michael and I were like, Olivier has connections to world leaders. Spread the word. But we just, I, I just well, want to no, hear I mean, stories. Just, just Congress, but... <laughs> just, oh, God. See, yeah. I mean, or, little or things like, like that. Where did you get, where did you, why, why did you get a, a, a pilot's license, even if it's not for a 747, even if it is no, my heart? No, it's not. It isn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I have I a pilot's license because I, I always thought I wanted to fly. And, and so, you know, I persuaded my parents to let me take a couple of lessons. And I did. Wow, and nice. Got a license. And then, and then I stopped because I realized that, oh, I couldn't afford to keep flying. And if I couldn't afford to keep uh, practicing, then, 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 then. Yeah, because you need you know, like a certain number of hours to like renew right. it. And, and you stuff, have to keep right? it up. Yeah. You have to keep going. Which I support up. for flying larger. Well, you know, I mean, craft, you know? I, I, I don't have a <laughs> garage for my car, so I had to give up my car, but I don't have a hangar, so I had to give up. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you need to have one in order to have the other one, right? But yes, to clarify, no, I do not fly 747s, even though you <laughs> profile picture. Uh, but I am no very what familiar you may see with on Facebook. So, yes, I am very familiar with the 747. So I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I have actually tinkered around the engines of those things, and I've wow. seen the, you know, how big you, you don't you appreciate how big a 747 is if you look at the cargo version and you're standing at the nose and they open that door in front and then you see this huge football field oh, uh, so, so you it really makes you feel very very small so i have a very high regard for the people who, who manufacture oh, yeah. and, and, you know and an airplane they, is a collection of parts that hopefully stick together <laughs> hopefully. if you don't mind recording this if you do then you can say no but i finally i all i'd written at the end of our our pre review document was the, the immigration story or something not even that and I remembered what it was and what I referred to and it was your experience um obtaining American citizenship on like four hours notice if you yes, don't want to tell yes, that story yes. then you don't have to though I understand no I mean you, you know because I, I I keep forgetting to to natu- get naturalized so I, I oh. <laughs> you know, I'm a very busy person we of course yeah time. it gets in the way <laughs> don't have time so you know uh, uh, because I wanted to vote in a particular election I tell the immigration officer I said so this interview is you know it's first thing in the morning you know uh, about seven o'clock seven thirty in the morning seven o'clock in the morning is it so uh, um, so this uh, thing do 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 you think I'm going to get my uh, citizenship in time to vote? So the, the guy who's from Florida says, um, yeah, I think so. I said, um, Can you stick around till noon? I said, oh, I, I said, oh, I don't have permission from my boss. I said, well, can you, if you can, they'll swear you in now. I said, oh, okay. All right. So I called my boss and said, excuse me, but I, 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 I don't want to make two trips. Can I just be a citizen now? So, yeah. I've been handed <laughs> American My boss said, citizen. oh, well, okay, fine. Yeah, that's yeah, what are you going to do? Kind of important. I- <laughs> you know, and of course, during the swearing in ceremony, I was the only one there. Everybody brought their fan club. I, oh, no. Right. I was all by my, my, myself. Uh, and, and so, and, and of course, sure enough, after they, they swear you in, they give you your voter registration 
card so you can register it and just send that in and i said oh perfect oh <laughs> the two for one <laughs> so, I, I said, so i told my boss and i told my boss I said, you know i did two things today that I, you know thanks to the fact that you let me off for uh, until lunchtime so yeah that was nice that worked <laughs> yes, out very nicely very very nice yes. so but yes i had that you know uh, i mean so the, the immigration officer didn't really have a lot of questions after i told him said do you want me to name all 100 senators <laughs> so, like I, says, I, I no. He says no. We don't have time. I said okay. <laughs> we don't have time. Because <laughs> I could, I can. I could. <laughs> I, that, I, gosh, I, I just, I have to comment on American bureaucracy there, because <laughs> I, again, one of one of my, my, really dear stories in my heart was practicing over at Saint Stephen Floralhurst on the Fourth of July, uh, several years ago. And their custodian, Manuel, who came from Mexico 20 years before that, came in and he was weeping. He was all over the place. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I was finally, like, I finally got to do the citizenship ceremony today. And I'm so happy. And again, as as an American, that was the first time where I was like, that's how much it means to come over to this terrible hellhole. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, that was the hearing that it had taken over 20 years like he at that point had been in the country longer than I'd been alive and like still is there and that it was like finally after who knows what weird hoops and then it's not that like you don't deserve citizenship or whatever or anything like that Olivier but it's it's just it's so interesting that it can go from 20 years of question marks to I I want to submit this you want to do it right now you know that's, yeah, you that's, know, that's just I, a bureaucracy I, thing, I think. And 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 what's really interesting is, and I I don't know if a lot of people are, I felt I felt very very fortunate, very lucky, very blessed, is the fact that I, I mean, I saw, I felt saw regarded myself as an American long before I became one, and I think that that is an important concept that people have to understand. And, and it doesn't just go for citizenship questions. If you want, if, if, if you feel that this is your calling, this is your vocation, this is something that's for you, you can't just say, I want, I, I, I you could just don't tell people that I want to be that. You gotta think, feel and actually see yourself being one. I tell this because it's an important thing. It's a very important concept for a lot of people who are seeking employment, for example. They say, I want to work for the airlines as a flight attendant. Well, do you see yourself? That's my question. Do you see yourself as a flight attendant? So, well, not yet, but then why, why not? It looks like you're not set. If you see yourself flying, looking after customers, looking, then yes, I think you have an excellent chance of becoming a flight attendant. If you see your, if, or, well, I, I mean, I don't need to tell this to people who want to be politicians because they already have that vision. But, but for almost everybody else, being able to see them, see yourself doing that work tells me that you understand what is the calling, what's required of you 
in order to do that function. Like for me, being active at St. Mark's, which is the reason why sometimes I'm reluctant to do certain things because, uh-oh, I'm already seeing myself doing that and this is what it's, what it's calling for. Mm-hmm. So I better not. Um, but, but at the same time, there are also things where I said, I can do that really, really well. And I can save, you know, I, could, I see myself doing it. And then all of a sudden, yes, I can aspire to it. I can be in it. I could do that. But it, it works much better if you have an affinity for it. You don't, you don't just have a yen for it. You really try to do that. Uh, you try to fit into that which you are aspiring to be. Gosh, this is like when I realized last week that loving your neighbor as yourself requires loving yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah, more man. than just a cliche, but to actually do Yeah, well, the self-respect and being able to say, you know what? Yes, I will take up this space. I will imagine myself or just not even imagine, just I am. That's very, very important. I mean... I, I think that that's that's an important component of, in, in in so many many things that we're called upon to do that mm. we have to see that you know it's the the I component is 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 critical and without someone's commitment to say yes I will be involved I will be part then it's very hard because people don't see themselves in that situation. So, so you know, I mean, I mean, you have to be able to see it, imagine it, and maybe even, you know, live it. Well, <laughs> be able to be- and that means that, that means that Americans need to step up and make that possible for everyone. For everyone. So yes. I'm saying that for myself and for Americans, not do you too. <laughs> it's our job, Americans, to make everyone feel welcome. I love working with young people because it's easy to to be able to influence them to start to think that way. And then later on, they have less barriers when they actually go and enter the workplace. I mean, regardless of color, young people are discriminated against by almost everybody. Oh, yeah. So, 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 but that's where people, individuals like myself who are develop a career job developers, career developers say, that's what I do is, is to encourage someone to say, hey, you need to see yourself doing this. If you don't see yourself, then it, it makes it so hard. But that's true for not just for work, it's true for vocations, it's true for any calling. Mm. Even, even, even something as simple as seeing. If the child said, hey, can you hold a note? Can you see yourself holding a note? If you can, mm-hmm. I can see, you know, platinum album in the future. Or it's a never too position late. in the choir. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, but but I always and I, I always tell people I said you have to aim high. Too. That's that's another thing. You know, yeah, maybe thing. it's too late for me to learn to fly the seven forty seven, but you, know, <laughs> you don't know. You know, if I, if I win the lottery, maybe I'll get, uh, maybe I will buy a little Cessna. I don't know. That was wonderful. Thank you, Olivia. That was, that was absolutely lovely. I'm really glad that we was, talk about that. 
Yeah, that was wonderful. That oh, belonging with Olivier. Oh, I love yeah. it. I think that's our title. <laughs> yeah, Olivia Santos belonging. It's beautiful. Um, this was this was quite a lot. I knew we were going to cover things that we hadn't talked about for a while. So I really appreciate the depth to which you are ready to go with some of these topics. My pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to. I, I, um, and, and it's an honor to be asked, by the way. We are very much honored by you being a part of this. And we're very we glad. are honored by your presence very much. So Absolutely. that's, I mean, I make those jokes a lot, but I do mean it. So. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, I, I always use jokes all the time, even when I mean, especially when I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Olivia. All right. Thank you again. And we'll see you in church.